Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. In ways that can be observed. Huh. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus is showing them here. Here's how you enter. Because the kingdom of God is in your heart, because the throne of the king is in your heart, the only way to enter it is in your heart. And so we see the instructions here to enter the kingdom. First, he says, repent. Repent. This is a word that I want us to take back as citizens, okay? As a, check it out, students, eyes up here. As a community, we need to take this word back. <clears throat> Me and Stephen, Stephen Van Patten over here, we went to a Seahawks game earlier in the year, right? Go Hawks! Love my Hawks! I don't like the Hawks. They were playing the Eagles, so that's why I went, right? But Stephen's a Seahawks fan, so we go, and, and we're hanging outside the stadium, and, and we're just standing in line, minding our business, trying to get our hot dog, get our hot dog on, you know? 12 bucks for a hot dog? Come on, son. We're standing in line, and this guy walks up, and he's wearing a pocket megaphone, okay? Like it's like a soundboard clipped to his belt, you know? And he comes, and he's like, repent, repent. The time is now to repent. Repent, repent. And what does everybody in that that area do when, when they hear that? Make the face, make the face, right? What do they do? They go, oh my God. And they roll their eyes. Because repent has become this cold, fire and brimstone, I'm gonna wreck you, right? Like, it almost comes out of a desire to be like, dude, you better repent. Hey, look at me, girl, repent, it's coming. Dodge the judgment, right? And it's almost like fear-mongering. But friends, repent is a beautiful word, okay? Don't let people think of repent as some archaic, traditional, oh, you think you have to repent. You're one of those folk. Repent is a beautiful word, and here's what it means. When Jesus comes declaring the king, the kingdom of God, he says this. When he says repent, he's saying, turn away from the things that currently sit on the throne of your heart. We all live in the kingdom of me. Turn away from the things, the, the people or the places or the things, the, whatever it is, the things that currently sit on the throne. Where's the throne? Where's the throne? The things that currently sit on the throne. He says, I want you to turn away from those. Renounce them. Look at them in the windows of their soul and say, you are no longer the king of my heart. You turn from that. And then the second step here, he says, believe. Put your faith in God. Declare Jesus as king. That's what he's saying. He says, students, I want you to know something. The kingdom of God is here. The moment has come. It's go time. God is establishing his kingdom. And you want to come in? You want to come into the kingdom? You want to live in the realm of the perfect king? Renounce all of the things in your heart that are currently sitting on the throne and declare Jesus to be your king. And so my question for you tonight is this. What's sitting on the throne of your heart? Only you know that. Right now, if you were to be honest, if you were to look inside, what is sitting on the throne of your heart? 
Can I, can I share a story? When I was in high school, um, I was addicted to being liked and accepted. I'm not just talking about like, oh, it felt good. I mean, like, I was like, I felt like I was literally addicted. I was the kid that would do anything in class. And everybody knew they can get me to do anything because I just wanted to laugh. It was like crack to me. Every laugh, every pat on the back, every smile, every, oh, that Sam. It like fed me like drugs. I was addicted to it. And as a result, I found myself doing things that were just dumb and disrespectful and immature and just acting out. And all of these things I did, friends. And you know why I did it, though? Well, that's Sam. He just needed to grow out of it. Let's, not, let's call it for what it is, okay? What it was was on the throne of my heart was sitting acceptance. And I say that it was my king. It was sitting on the throne of my heart because that was the thing that influenced me. That was the thing that drove me. I was living under its influence and under its realm. It was ruling me. It was reigning and so when I heard the king call, when those desires call, I did whatever it takes to please the king. And it wasn't until I actually had a group of teachers that um, they called a special meeting for me. Um, I was like, oh, you need my help on something. And they were like, not funny. Um, no, they, they talked to me, you know. And I remember Mr. West, our algebra teacher, and I remember him looking at me and he goes, Sam, when you grow up, if you're the kid that is always chasing acceptance and always chasing a laugh, dude, people are just going to lead you to wherever they want to lead you. And you're never going to be your own person. And again, he's not a Christian, he's not the, but it's truth. And truth is truth. <clears throat> truth is truth. I was living for acceptance and the desire to be liked. That was my king. That was on the throne of my heart. What's on the throne of your heart? What is the thing that has such power and influence over your life that it determines the way you act and the way you live and the way you speak and your decisions and your thought life, all those things? What is sitting on the throne of your heart? Maybe it's relationships, right? And we know what it's like, right? That, that desire to go, man, I need that, right? That's what I need. I need relationships, not just even romantic relationships, but friendships, right? There's nothing wrong with wanting a friend, but how many of you know where it's just like, that desire has moved beyond a good desire and it's now king. That desire now borders on the perilous, right? That's one of my favorite authors would say. Perhaps it's success, you know? There's some students, man, in here and, and even in your schools where they are driven and they are ambitious and everybody praises them. And that's a good thing. But I wonder, I just wonder if for a moment, if we dug a little bit beyond the surface and we saw behind the ambition and we said, is it truly just a, a healthy ambition or is there something there? Is there such a, a hunger and, and a craving for success that success has become the king of that person's heart? Maybe it's popularity, right? I don't even want friends. I just want to have a good image. Maybe it's my reputation. And so everything you do, every action and lifestyle choice and everything is, is being influenced by the king of being liked and being popular. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe it's other people's opinions. Maybe it's sports. Whatever it is, students, whatever is sitting on the throne of your heart, Jesus calls you to repent and to believe. Jesus says, renounce whatever is sitting on the throne of your heart and declare Jesus to be king because the kingdom is here. Good news, the kingdom is here. The kingdom of God is here. 
We can live in it. And the throne of the king is on your heart. Declare a new king today, students. That's my prayer, that by the end of this weekend, you would be declaring or re-declaring or reaffirming or recommitting, whatever you want to call it, that Jesus is your king. And so, Jesus is here, and he says, hey, repent and believe. He calls them, right? He gives a call. And right now, for the last part here, we get to see what it actually looks like in real time when somebody responds to that. Anybody like visual aids, right? Dude, my, my famous question is, what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, I want you to repent and believe. So let's all sit here for 10 minutes and meditate on the possible meanings of what that looks like. Jesus gives us an example, right? And so Jesus, he walks, he's, I imagine a boardwalk, but I know there was no boardwalk, but he's walking down the beach or whatever, and he goes up to the beach, and he's about to make a call, okay? And as he does this, we get to see what it looks like for someone to renounce the old king and declare Jesus to be their king. So let's continue with our story. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. <laughs> I love the Bible, right? In case you didn't know, that's why they were casting their net into the sea. Thank you. I, I thought they were collecting coins. I don't know, right? But they were fishermen. And so he sees the fishermen, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Wow. And so Jesus, he, he comes in, right? And they're fishing. These dudes are fishing. They woke up that morning. They put on their fishing boots. They grabbed their nets. Right? You're like, why do you need nets for fishing? That's because they didn't always use fishing poles, right? It's a very common fishing practice. I've learned this in my fishing experience. You, you pull a net and, um, and the fish go into the net and then they make a movie, right? Called Finding Nemo. Um, and so you do this net thing, right? And so they're there and they're fishing and Jesus walks up to them, right? Jesus walks up to them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out. Guys, I think there's a mistake in the Bible because this is not the way it worked in those days. If you were a rabbi, people signed up for you, okay? People came to you and said, please let me follow you, rabbi. And their response was, lick the dust of my sandals. Okay? I'm not kidding. That, that was a metaphor. They said, you want to follow me? You want to be my disciple? You want to be my student? Look at the dust of my sandals. Meaning, follow so closely that as the dust comes up, it's like you're eating it. It's kind of tight. You got to love the Israelites, right? They're just so twisted. Um, no, right? But it's like, so, so usually a rabbi is pursued by potential students, right? And yet we see here that Jesus is actually taking the initiative. What? Look, it says, he saw them, right? Go back. It says, he saw Simon and Andrew. He said to Simon and Andrew. And so we see here from this story that when it comes to following Jesus, students, Jesus takes the initiative. Do you see that? Jesus, the teacher, takes the initiative. He's the subject. He doesn't sit back and just wait for people to make a decision. I think I may make him my Lord and Savior today. <laughs> no. Jesus is not even giving this generic call. Hey, everybody, welcome to, to beach camp. Glad you're here. You're fishing. We got some nets over here. We got fishing stuff over here. And um, just want to let you know, I'm accepting disciples. So if you're interested, just come and see me. I'll be in the back here multiplying some bread and fish, okay? No, he doesn't give a generic call. He goes to Simon. 
He goes to Andrew. He goes to James. He goes to John, James and John. He calls individuals. And here's what you students are going to understand here this weekend and hopefully the rest of your life. When you stop, when you hear the gospel, when you hear Jesus calling you, you, <clears throat> you realize that he's actually pursuing you. Nobody in this room wakes up one day and they go, all right, I'm going to go fishing. Uh, wait, time out. You know what? I think I need some Jesus in my life. I'll go that way. None of us. Dude, you, Austin, what's up, man? Dude, I remember, I, dude, let me talk about you, man. Like, I remember seven, several months ago now, right? Austin walks into the gym, right? And we're at Citizens. And I'm like, yo, Austin, what's up? He's like, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. Right? We do our thing and, and it's cool. And we're sitting there. He's like, dude, can I, can I tell you, man? I just got to tell you what's going on. And so remember, you remember this, right? I'm not lying, right? You call me out if I'm lying, right? And so we go and we're doing our thing and Lord of all the earth. And we do the music and the sermon, right? And we get to the end and I'm like, dude, so what's good, man? We're sitting in the back. And I remember Austin talking to me, telling me about how like, he goes, dude, like, I, I think God is starting to speak to me. And I'm like, whoa, remember, right? Right? And you're like, dude, I just like, man, I'm kind of, you know, where I'm at in life and he's telling me this. And he goes, but I just, I can't shake it, man. I just feel like God is trying to tell me things. And, and I keep picturing certain people in my head telling me them. And, and I was going for a walk and then God told me this and I knew I had to be here tonight. Austin didn't wake up and say, I think I'll try some Jesus tonight. God was pursuing him. Jesus is pursuing you, bro. You know that, right? Dude, he's pursuing you just like this. And so we see that Jesus, he's personal, he takes the initiative, and he's calling people to follow him. That's what he says. He says, follow me. Wait, I, I thought he was telling them to go and live for the king. I thought he was telling them to go into the kingdom. He just revealed, I'm the king. You want to live in the kingdom of God? You want to live in the realm of God's rule and reign? You want to live in the place that is marked by peace and righteousness? Then follow the king. Follow me. He just revealed that he's the king. And so he calls them, right? Follow me. That's why we sing the song. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to chase him. And students, we realize though that when he makes the call, when Jesus calls you to follow him, the call to follow is immediate and disruptive. The call to follow the king is immediate and disruptive. Look what it says here. Where are we going to go? Look at this. Verse 18. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. When did they leave their nets and follow him? You no, 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 no. When did they leave their nets and follow him? You got to snap it, right? When did they leave their nets and follow Jesus? Immediately. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets because they were fishermen. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. The call to follow the king, students, is immediate and disruptive. The right response when Jesus calls you is not, oh, oh, dude, the kingdom's here. Oh, Jesus, that's tight. Awesome. But check it out. Um, give me a minute. Just give me a minute. I, I got some stuff I got to finish up. All right. I got these nets. You see the nets. Oh, man. Dude, because I'm a fisher. I'm a fisherman. Jesus, right? It's the nets. That's why the nets. The, the response is not give me a minute. The response is like, ah, you know, I'm still young. 
Jesus, like, I'm, I'm only 15, and I just got a lot. Can I just live a little bit? And then we can, like, maybe connect in, like, another four years. Can I just live it up, you know? I'm supposed to do this. I'm 15, right? No, that's not the response. It's not the response at all. Following Jesus means that all the other priorities in our life become second. If you're going to follow Jesus, right? And that's why, oh man, we can never be a youth community. Let us never be a youth group that says, man, if you come and follow Jesus, you'll have cotton candy every weekend. If you follow Jesus right now and you put your hand up right in the air right now, you're going to receive a lifetime supply of happiness. What? That's not what we see. The call to follow Jesus is disruptive. But Jesus, I mean, I have my career to think about. I mean, following you could be risky, and that just may be a financial risk. I'm not well. Following Jesus means that everything else in our life, every other pursuit in our life becomes second. It's not because they're not important. It's because Jesus is the king. Your whole world begins to revolve around a new center. You answer to a new king in your hearts. And so look at them, friends. Look what they did. It says that they left. Let's go back here. It says they left, um, they left their father. But Jesus, I thought it was fam- family. is important, isn't it? Isn't family the most important thing? No, actually, it's not. Family second. But what else they leave? They say, hey, um, we're going to just leave the boats. We're going to leave all of our employees. This was a successful fishing franchise. <laughs> say that four times fast, right? They were about to start their own fish fillet. You know what I'm saying? They were going to open up several chains. They were going to branch out. It was going to be awesome. And But when Jesus called them, they even left their career. Why? Because career is second. They left their friends in the boat that they had a relationship with. Why? Because friends are second. Not because those things aren't important, but because there is a new thing in the center of your life around which everything else revolves. The call to follow Jesus is immediate and disruptive. Think of it like this, right? You ever see pictures of the galaxy? Right? Isn't that beautiful? Everybody say, oh. Everybody say, ooh. Everybody say, hey, hey. Everybody said, sorry, tonight, tonight, right? At the center of every galaxy, there is what, Kayla? Uh, Look at the picture. uh, There's a sun, right? There is a sun, and you see, she's like, I I don't know what it is, right? It's a sun, right? And you see there's there's always a circle, right? It's actually an oblong elliptical shape, right? And so you always see this every time, right? You always see that in the pictures. You know why? Because the thing at the center has such a gravitational pull that it commands everything else to revolve around it. Everything revolves around the sun. And so what we're talking about tonight, right? We're talking about the thing at the center of your universe. The thing around which everything else takes its aim. The thing around which everything else revolves. The thing that gives everything else meaning and purpose. And here's what happens, students. And you guys, I'm not naive. You're you're old enough to understand this. That sometimes in life, 
You have something at the center of your universe. You have a sun at the center of your universe and you've lived long enough now as middle schoolers and high schools to experience this. Your sun is snuffed out. You've lived long enough to have something at the center of your universe and it's taken from you and you realize that it was actually a pretty pathetic sun and as a result, everything is in disarray and everything is floating out there in space. And you sit there in your mess and in your tears and in the aftermath and, and you're sitting there going, what happened? You know what happened, student? Your son was just snuffed out. Maybe that wasn't the best thing to revolve your entire universe around. And so Jesus is showing up here and he's calling them, the disciples. He goes, I know you have a career, I know you have friends, I know you have family, but those will never su suffice. Those will never satisfy as the center of a universe. Revolve around me. And so he calls them. And look what he does in, in, the, in, the, in the meantime here, right? He calls them and look what they get, right? Let's start to do this a little bit. Let's start to expand the ball a little bit about what they get. As they follow Jesus, as they come into the kingdom, we realize that they actually receive a new purpose. God is going to make them all new, right? He's going to make them brand new. And one of those new things we see here is that they get a new purpose, and so where's my, where's my fishing pole here? Do I, friends? They were fishermen. Where, who, who stole my fishing pole? No! I'm just kidding, but you can't. All right, so anyway, right? And so they have, so, so they're fishing, fishing people, also known as fishermen, right? And Jesus comes to them and he says, hey, you, you lied. You lie. Oh, yes, right? <laughs> right? And so they're fishermen. And so they're fishermen, which means for a living, they did this. I would do that too, just to watch that thing spin, right? That is so cool. Like, I don't even know what's going on up there, but that's awesome. I think it's supposed to like magnetize the fish, and it's like a gravitational circle situation. It's, I'm going to spool you, listen, all right? And so they're fishermen, they're fishermen, and this is what they did for a living. But Jesus shows up on the scene, Right? He shows up on the scene and he says, I'm going to give you a new purpose in life. The reason for being, the meaning of your life, the thing that you exist for is going to be much greater than what you do to make a living, right? The thing that you do in your life to feed your family, that's awesome and that's significant, but, but that's not your meaning, right? That's not the purpose of your existence. The purpose of your existence is to follow me and draw others to me. That's what he tells him. He goes, you're a fisherman now, but I'm actually going to change your purpose. You're going to become a fisher of men. And so imagine these guys who maybe they just went through the motions every day and just maybe were feeling like, man, I just, I guess I just fish and I just wake up every day and I rinse, repeat, and I do it all over again, right? And they had no sense of mission or purpose. They weren't living for something bigger for themselves. And when Jesus shows up that day, friends, when they receive the call to follow him, when they repent and believe in Jesus, something has already changed. From the moment they responded, we realized that they've already received a new purpose. New purpose. And that's just one thing, right? And we'll get to more over the weekend. We have a lot more to do. A lot more to do, but they receive a new purpose. Students, Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you to come into the kingdom of God. He's calling you to come into the kingdom of God, to declare Jesus as your king. 
or we could say it this way for our big idea, declare Jesus to be the king of your heart. Declare Jesus to be the king of your heart. And so we're going to respond here to this text. Man, this is a great story, man. We, we love seeing Jesus' teachings. We love seeing the response of the disciples. But here's the significance of this passage for you. Eyes up here. Students, check this out. Here's what I want you to be asking yourself as you respond right now, as you sing, as you go into small group time. You're asking yourself this. What's on the throne of my heart? What's on the throne of your heart? Who? is on the throne of your heart. Declare Jesus to be the king of your heart. And so here's how we're gonna respond, right? Band, you can come up here and we're gonna respond through singing. But I wanna talk to the Christians in the room. If you're here and you go, Sam, I'm a Christian. I've been baptized. I've declared Jesus to be my king. Why are you telling me this? Sam, this is so basic. I, I, I understand the gospel, right? Why don't we move on to... Stop right there. Because, friends, here's what you need to understand, all right, students? The gospel is not something you need to enter the kingdom, okay? The gospel is not just something you need to hear to enter into the kingdom. It's something you need to be reminded of every day of your life. And so those of you that are here, right, if you're a Christian... You need to be reminded that the good news, that the gospel message at its core is a message about a kingdom. You need to be reminded that at the core of this message, it's a call to declare Jesus to be your king. And the more you're aware of that, the more you remember that, you're, you're in a position to ask yourself the question, is Jesus still the king of my heart? For those of you who have been baptized, for those of you that are Christians, here's the danger. You go in church and you're, and you're going through the motions for so long that you begin to just kind of take on different messages. And you go, well, maybe, I mean, I feel like to me, really what's important, and I feel like in our youth group, we should really be talking more about that. And I just feel like the most important thing in the Bible is that, and you've forgotten, right? You've, you've left, you've departed. Your ship has just docked. And we need to get back to the center and we remind ourselves, no, no, at the core, the most important thing is the message that Jesus is establishing a kingdom. He said it. He summarized it, right? This is the essence. This is the most important thing. There's a kingdom. And so the, the, the implication of that for you guys is, is Jesus still the king of my heart? What are the areas of my heart that I'm trying to take out of the domain of his rule and reign? What are the areas in my life that I go, Jesus, you can be king here, but ooh, Hard pass when it comes to my. Jesus, I like the fact that you're a king. And oh, don't get me wrong, Jesus, you are a king. But I feel like this one should be under my rule and reign. You know, I'm still a Christian, right? I still follow you on the weekends. But I mean, we can, let's work something out. And friends, the call to follow Jesus is disruptive. It's immediate. It is thorough and is complete. It will consume all of you. When you live in France, he's not just your king on the weekends, right? Hey, King Louis, uh, parlez vous uh, I just, I think I have this one on my own. No, you're in the kingdom. It's complete. You're a citizen. You're a citizen, hey, of the kingdom. And so Christians, is Jesus still the king of your heart? If you're in this room and you're like, wow, I've, I've actually never heard the Jesus story talked about as a message about the kingdom. I, I thought it was be a good person. 
I thought the Jesus story was like, dude, if I do right things, I get some good karma, and as long as my balance sheet is in the positive when I get to the end of the game, I win, right? As long as I do more good things than bad things, dude, I'm solid, right? Jesus knows I'm a good person. Students, that's not the message. The message of Jesus, the good news, is not simply about being associated with this Jesus guy. It's not about coming to church regularly. It's not about being a good member in your youth group. It's not about giving money. It's not about behaving. It's not about stopping your cussing. It's about giving total control of your life to a king. And so perhaps you're here tonight, and maybe for the first time in your life, you need to leave everything as second. And you're in the same room as all of us. Is Jesus your king? And maybe in your heart you go, man, I know I've went through the motions, but I've actually never been there. And so for you, same question applies to you tonight. Is Jesus your king? And if not, what's sitting on the throne of your heart? As we sing these songs, I'm calling you to action in the same way that Jesus called you to action. As a matter of fact, I want you to hear Jesus, the words of Jesus calling you to a response. Because students, when you look at the fishermen, how many options did they have? They had two, right? hey, follow me, leave the nets and follow me. I'm gonna make you fishers of men. Yes or no, right? It's not like Facebook. You know on Facebook when uh, when you get like an invitation and it's like you can say, yes, I'm going, no, I'm not going. And then they made a third category for those of us that didn't wanna feel noncommittal. I'm interested, right? You get those, right? I'm inviting you to my birthday party. Yes, no, or I'm interested, which is universal code for let me make sure nothing better shows up, right? Is it not? When Jesus calls you to follow him, there's no I'm interested button, right? Jesus, let me think about it. This is really nice. Let's just kind of, let's see what happens. No, students, yes or no? Declare Jesus to be your king. Declare Jesus to be the king of your heart. What's sitting on the throne of your heart tonight? Let's pray. Father, we hear your words. We hear the good news, God that we can now come in and live in your kingdom. God, we hear the good news that you are replacing, you are freeing us, you are liberating us from the kingdom of me because God, we are tired of that, Lord. God, we're tired of living in a society. We're tired of living in a world that is run by the kingdom of me. And so God, your call is refreshing. Your announcement, your news is life-giving. And so, God, would you touch our hearts? We want to declare to be king, God. Lord, I pray that you'd give us courage to ask ourselves that question. Give us courage, Lord. Give us the integrity, God. Give us the honesty to take a good look at ourselves. And God, I pray every single student in this room that their response would be, I will follow you that they would be able to sing those words and mean it in their souls that I have decided to follow Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And as we respond tonight, God, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.